Amen. Well, what a wonderful day to be in the house of the Lord. Is anybody ready for the Word of God this morning? Well, the five of you that are ready, you're going to get it. No, I am so excited to be in the presence of the Lord. And hey, before we jump into the Word, I do want to uh, just tell you something really exciting. For those of you that don't know, uh, in August, we are launching... We're launching it now. Our, we are launching our tutorial enrichment program to come alongside of our homeschool students. And it is uh, an amazing, it's going to be an amazing program to help those kids. And we are so excited about it. Uh, there is today, you need to know this for, for the Three Oaks Academy, there is a special that's going on just today. And I won't tell you all about that, but it's a pretty hefty one. And that's just for our church family. So if you, today, before you leave, stop by the table, and they will give you all the information that you need. If you don't really know what it is, you can check with them. They can explain everything. And we just decided, you know what, we can wait till the building's built, or we can start with what we have and just go forward. And we said, you know what, why not? Let's just start, because it's a need. So we're glad, we're excited about that. And uh, we are just so thankful for all of your faithfulness in everything you're doing. Every week, so many people are giving to the building fund for our new education building. And uh, we have a goal that is to start turning the dirt. We're going to raise $300,000 first. If you know, the, the budget of that is just right under a million dollars. And when we do that, it's going to be astounding. But at $300,000, we get started. So we need your help. We're a little over 100000 right now, so that tells you where we're at. Praise God for that. And uh, next week I'll have, or not, the week after, I'll have all of the big details for you. But I just want you to know it is amazing seeing God do something. And part of what I'm talking about tonight, this morning, is connected. To that because it's an important thing for us to remember. So if you would, would you stand to your feet as we get ready to read the Word of God together? And open your Bibles. We're going to go way back for the first part of this to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 1, and I want to read just one verse today, verse 8. The Bible says, see I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them and their descendants after them. Uh, I love in the King James, it says their seed. Now let me ask you a question before we pray. Who is the seed? We are. We have been grafted into that. So we are part of that family. So what you need to understand is this, and I won't preach while you're still standing up, but I want you to understand, God has called the seed of Abraham to possess the land. And too many times in our lives, in the places that God has given us authority, we seed, C-E-D-E, we seed land instead of be the seed that possess the land. In other words, we give up because we think, well, if it's hard, it must not be God. No, God's called us 
to possess the land, the promise. So what I want to pray for you today as we get, jump into this word is that what God speaks to your heart is the places where you have fallen back and not fought for the things of God. That you will allow God to convict your heart that you will pay attention to what God speaks to you today and you will leave here different than when you came in. That's my hope for you today. Let's pray. Father, for the next few moments of time, God, I pray that you would speak to every heart in this room. That, Father, as we open your word, as we share this word, that, Lord, it would find such fertile soil inside of our hearts. And that, God, you would help us to rightly divide the word of truth. And I pray this, Father, that that fertile soil that's getting the seed of the word would return a harvest of good in each of our lives. And finally, we pray as always, God, when we leave our time together, that we would leave changed in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. You can be seated this morning. Well, I love this subject matter, and uh, today I really want to kind of delve into it because I want to talk about why the rush. You know, never a week goes by that somebody doesn't say, Pastor, do you think it's a good time to be trying to build a building? Do you think it's a good time to, shouldn't we just kind of sit back and just kind of let's see how things play out, let's do this. So the question is, why the rush? Let me tell you why we should rush. Because we live in a critical moment in the history, not only of the church, but of the world. And right now, all around us, there's a cry for help. There's a cry for hope. There are people every day that are being inundated with the enemy. And I just want to let you know, when I say the enemy, listen, sometimes you just got to call things what they are. And sometimes we like to say the enemy because we don't want to name it. It's Satan. The devil is your enemy. Out to destroy you. Out to mess you up. And not only that, you need to understand that today the demonic forces of the enemy are raging all around us. We see it clearly more than we ever have. So when we look at these things, I think we must, as believers, begin to look at it and realize we are in a critical season in the life of the American church in particular. Because as we watch the things happening around us, if we sit back and allow the enemy to take the ground that God promised us, then I would be, I would be remiss if I didn't help you understand that there will come a time when we have to answer to the Father why we didn't do with what God gave us. Did we sit on it or did we multiply it? Just as we talk about the educational building in the school, because let me just tell you something. Uh, we've, we have been over several Sundays at capacity in the nurseries. We need space. On Wednesday nights, when we're doing our, the kids' ministries, they're many times at complete capacity. So not only for school, we need for Sundays and Wednesdays and for full-on ministry, we need space. And that's what a blessing it is. And people say, well, why don't you wait? No, I'm going to tell you, we need to rush. Because right now, never before in my lifetime, have I seen the obvious deception 
that's alive in the world right now. This obvious deception and, and lies, well, you've heard me say this before, and lies being treated like they're truth. When we see the obvious things where uh, people want to redefine their truth outside of what God's plan is, and we see it and it's so blatantly obvious, even scientifically, not just spiritually and religiously, we see it and we're going, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. How many of you see that and probably say that every single day when you turn on the, it's, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And I'm very grateful that there are companies, not that they're losing money, but I'm grateful for companies that they're starting to realize, hopefully, that putting somebody on a can that doesn't represent somebody, and let's just leave it at that, you want to put a, a guy on a beer can that is dressed up like a woman and act like that's some kind of thing to celebrate, mental illness is not something to celebrate. It's something to be spoken to and prayed for and brought healing to. Now you say, Pastor, are you sure you want to go down this path? Oh, I've gone down this path a long time ago. But what I want you to see, here's the problem. And, and what I want you to understand is that God has given us ground. People died that we might possess the ground in which we're supposed to have. And the problem is that the church has seeded, we have retracted, we have pulled back in areas that we should have never pulled back up. We know this. But the reality today is that we face, we can't do anything about what yesterday was or the mistakes made in the generations before us or in our generation. What we can do is decide today that we will not step back anymore. We will not. This is why we have to be bold when we're talking about our children. Listen, if you've got a child that's dealing with some stuff, don't be afraid to confront the enemy. Don't be afraid to stand up when your child is being thrust into a situation that you know that they shouldn't be in for you to step in and say, not my child, not no, this is not happening. Because God has given you responsibility. It's the ground that you're supposed to stand on and possess, not give it back. Let me say this too, and we'll, we'll step into the actual sermon part, is this. Never before have I seen the amount of religious movements and spiritual bodies, churches, that ha are rejecting the traditional word of God. And we see this and we wonder, so, well, where do you see that? All over. And now it's so weird when, listen, and, and I love everybody. This, it's just the truth. I, I love everybody. There's nobody that I, that I hate. It's not going to happen. Because God created everybody and everybody needs salvation. Everybody needs Jesus. I want people to find healing. But when you see pastors stand in pulpits and consider themselves and call the church and, as known and call themselves transsexuals and, tell, and speak messages saying that Jesus was a transsexual, we've got problems in the church. And you say, well, that church has got problems. Let me tell you something, unless the church, the Bible-believing church, stand and walk in power, we're going to see a bigger issue within the churches. Because we have to be the people God called us to be. That's not a matter of hate. That's not a matter of anger. It's a matter of saying, look, here's the truth. And this is the struggle that I have with all of this. 
is that no matter what I felt like before I found Jesus, no matter what I might have identified as before I found Jesus, the Bible says when I receive Jesus, he recreates me. I am a new creation, and I'm made in his image. In other words, I'm made in what he has defined me to be. So it doesn't matter what I thought I was. It only matters now what he says I am, and his word defines that. Correct? Simple stuff. So the bottom line comes to this. Do we believe this or we agree with what the world says? That's really what it boils down to. So today as we jump even deeper into this, I want to help you with this thought. And your first key thought is this. When you fail to be passionate about his church, to walk in his word or move ahead with hearts full of faith, you allow the enemy to take the ground that God has entrusted you to possess. I want you to think about that for a moment. I, I like that line, when you fail to be passionate about his church, when you fail to walk in his word, when you fail to move ahead with a heart full of faith, we allow the enemy to take the ground that God entrusted us with. Do you know that when we as a church bought 21 acres, God entrusted us with that? When he gave us the vision that this church stands on to do what God's called us to do in this moment, we need to understand that God has entrusted it to us. And we refuse, and this is what I love about this body, is we refuse to sit back and not do what God's called us to do. So I just want you to understand, now, outside the church, and you start talking about it in your personal life, all these areas, listen, I'm telling you right now, if there are things in your life that you have uh, compromised. If there are things in your life that you know aren't right and, and you're st a, b a believer, you need to understand by allowing those things to remain in your life, you are giving up ground. So we have to face these things in our lives. And the truth is we all know the battle's raging. It's not hidden anymore. It's right in front of us. I mean, it couldn't be more obvious now. I mean, like I said, when you've got these people standing in the pulpits that want to say this and say that, it's so obviously against what God says. And when we watch award shows, and it, it's more like a satanic worship service, and they don't even hide from it. And we see this all over the place, and we, we see it being forced up, not even forced up, it's just lifted up unabashedly, but yet we as the church still want to sit back and not be vocal about what we worship. See, here's the thing. I married my beautiful wife 30 years ago. And when I think about that, let me tell you one thing that she demands. She demands that I'm passionate about our relationship. In other words, I want to say it like this. How would you like to be married to someone who really is just kind of like matter of fact about it? It's like, oh, yeah, that's my wife. Yeah, yeah, that's who I live with. She bore my children. She's all right. No, you don't want that. You want that husband to be passionate 
about your relationship. And the husband wants the wife to be passionate about that, proud of what God has placed in your life. And it's the same way. We have to be that way about the church. We have to be that way about God's word. We have to be students and hungry for what God has for us. And there's no question about the fact that there is a battle going on. And just let me tell you this. Now is not the time to stop. I will, and I'll even say this boldly, is this. If, you're more, if your concern right now is laying up more treasure in, 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 uh, in your investments and things like that, then you're kind of misunderstanding because here's the problem. <laughs> That's all disappearing really quickly. I don't know if you pay attention to things around us, but when you see all the elements of everything happening in here, remember, as a believer, who our source is. Our source is God. Your source is not a government that tells us how much our money is actually worth. Oh, i got to get off that because that's, that's not in the Scripture. I, well, it actually is, but that's another sermon. But I want, I want to show you something, too, today that, that I think is fascinating when we look at this. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and of course we're, we're looking into some end-time Scriptures here. Verses 7 through 12, just want to read a few. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Now, understand, when it talks about he who restrains, do we know who that is, anybody? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in the church, right? So we have to understand, the Bible actually says he's holding it, the church, the Holy Spirit is holding it back until he's taken out of the way, the rapture of the church. And then the lawless one... The Antichrist, the lawless one, will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. <clears throat> the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of truth that they might be saved. Verse 11 is what I want you to really see. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. I want you to think about that one for a minute. Do you ever wonder why God does some of the things he does? He says he will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. The first thing I want you to understand is that we choose we choose this. We choose deception. How do we choose deception? Because we choose the ways of the world other than the ways of God. And we see it all the time. And you say, why can this world be so deceived? Now, why, why the rush? Why the rush to do uh, kingdom work now? Why should we be so concerned about those things? Because as we see deception and the spirit of delusion increase, we know that the coming of Christ is closer and closer and closer scripturally. So when we start to dig into that, and I don't have time to completely take you down that path tonight, but what I want you to understand is that people choose deception. They choose delusion. The world has chosen to call things that are lies truth. And when you say, well, you know, the Bible doesn't talk about the things that are happening today, then you're just an idiot. Because all you got to do is open up your Bible and start reading. You'll be going, oh, my gosh. 
That's exactly what's happening right now. Why the rush? Because our sons and daughters are being lied to by the culture and they're being poisoned by the enemy. And unless the church takes the ground that God gave them, who's standing in the gap? I don't know, some of you came in and said, it's the Sunday after Easter. You could have been a little more funny today. But you say, well, what are we supposed to do with that? How do we do this? We fight deception with God's word because it's the truth. You say, how, do, how do we do it? God's word. You, you don't know how you want to set young people free from deception so that they're, they're okay through all this nonsense that's going on in our world? You make sure the word of God's put in them. Well, how do I do that, pastor? You make sure they're rear end sitting in church. You make sure that you take time every day to read scripture with your kids and explain what you're reading. In other words, you've got to stop allowing the church be the chief discipler in your house and in your kids and your family, and you become that and let the church come alongside you and empower you for that. That's the reality of what we're looking at today, is understanding there's the Spirit, but we need God's Word to defeat the deception. And I love this because if you were to define to deceive, it's this. Deceive is to mislead by underhandedness. Do we not see that in the world? Have you heard the term gaslighting? I mean, there's a lot of things we could talk about and spend some time right here, but there, there's so many trails we could go down, but I'm really trying to stay on one. But the reality is there is underhandedness that's being used to deceive our children, the people around us. I'm going to be honest. At 54 years old, you know what, I'm not saying I can't be deceived, but I'm spiritually discerning enough that I see the things as they come. You know, it's like I'm not really worried about me being deceived. I'm more concerned about people who are as uh, far along in the journey as I am and our children who are just being, they're just growing, they're just learning, their minds are being developed. I'm worried. I'm concerned. Not because I don't believe that God can't and won't. No, I know God will. What I worry about is whether we as parents and adults and grandparents will stop being lazy and take authority. Can I tell you, as a grandparent, if you've got kids who are not experiencing and being taught the Word of God, you need to find a way to make that happen. Somebody's got to. It's worth it. It's so worth it. Look at this. In Matthew, I just want to give you some hope in this because the hope is, is that God's given us a plan. The hope is that God's laid it out before us and his spirit is still as real as it always has been. His, his presence still does miracles like it always has. His spirit, his moving, his ability, the, the things of the Holy Spirit have not changed. So you say, what am I supposed to do with this? Well, the Bible says endure. Let's read that. And this is Jesus talking, right? This is the famous uh, conversation that Jesus is having as he's teaching this. Matthew chapter 24. I just want to read two verses out of this, 12 and 14. And because lawlessness will abound. So, I mean, really Jesus, before Thessalonians is written, he's already lining it up and saying, here we go. Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. (laughs) 
let me just stop there for a minute. I got a, I got a few extra minutes. You know, my dad used to talk about the, uh, the first church of the Frigidaire. You say, well, what in the world is that? That's the kind of church you walk into, and it's just cold. There's no moving of the Holy Spirit. The people are just there to be there. There's no, it's like, how fast can we get over? How fast can we move on? There's no desire for the things of God. How would that happen? Because the hearts of many will grow cold. They'll grow cold to the things of God. But listen to verse 13. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. Somebody says, Pastor, what, the end is here. The end is here. No, the end's not here. We've got work to do. When we've done the work he's called us to do, then he's coming. So what I want you to know is I refuse to sit back and not do what God's called us to do. I refuse to have fought all these battles that we fought over all these years to accomplish the vision that God's called us to and then to find a place where it gets difficult and just to sit back and act like nothing's wrong. Something is wrong. And we have to be willing to fight. We have to be willing to hit our knees and intercede for the people in our communities and the lost. I mean, I tell people all the time when they're saying, Pastor, what should I be praying about? I'll tell you what you need to be praying. You need to be praying for our teachers that are in the public school system that are fighting our, our believing teachers who are fighting the battle, trying to push against the tide of darkness that's trying to overwhelm your kids. You need to intercede for them. You need to intercede for your kids. And you need to intercede for each other. I think one of the problems that we have in the church is that we live in a very selfish culture. We know this. It's, it's me-ism, you know, it's all about me. When we live in that culture, even when we're praying, you'll find yourself, you say, how would I know if, that, if I'm struggling with that? If all your prayers are focused around your needs. Do you know when I'm praying, I very seldom pray for me. I pray for you. I pray for others. Why? Because that's my job. That's what God has called me to do. But the Bible says to endure. And I just was looking at that. What would that mean to us? Let's look at it. To endure. It's your next key thought. To endure is not a passive resignation. To endure is not a passive resignation to fate, but the active energetic resistance to defeat that pushes us forward, not backward. I just want you to see that again. To endure is, is not a passive resignation to faith, but the active energetic resistance. That means it's a verb. It means you've got to be active in enduring. When that temptation comes on you, and you, you know, it's like I get so tired of this. Well, pastor, you know, I'm only human. You know what, I, I just want to smack, I just want to pray for you. That's where you want to. That's where you want to quote that verse. You know, it's like the violent take. Anyway, never mind. We'll go off that. <laughs> but no, the truth is, it's like, oh, pastor, you know, I said I am just so weak in that, but I know God's grace covers me. Don't make me teach a message on this crazy grace that everybody talks about that says this that I can do whatever I want to do and God's okay with it. It's not accurate. That's an easy grace. An easy grace is a grace is a message that can send you to hell really quickly without thinking you're going there. 
So when we get to that place, what I want to encourage you to remember is that this is active. It's energetic, this resistance to defeat that pushes us forward. In other words, you know what I've learned through all the years, and I've fought a lot of battles. Let me ask you, how many of you have fought quite a few battles with the enemy in your lifetime? Anybody? Just a few hands, just a couple. Some of you are trying to raise your feet. It's okay. Don't do that. But you know, when I look at this, what I realize through all of this is one of the strong things that you can learn to survive these places is this. When you allow the struggle and you allow the battle to not make you retreat, but you learn to forcefully walk forward through the battle. Because can I tell you, you're not winning the battle if you're backing up. No, what are you doing? You're giving ground. No, no. God's called us to possess the land. He's called us to move forward. He's called us to win the battle. He's called us to stand in the gap for those that can't speak for themselves. You say, "Why? what do you mean by that? Listen, I'm telling you right now, and you can get up and walk out. I've had that happen before. That does not bother me. But the, if people don't stand in the gap for these little children who are being murdered in the womb, we need to understand somebody's got to stand in the gap for those that can't speak for themselves. Yeah, Pastor, that's such a complicated issue. Stop it. It's not complicated. When you tell me that you want to say abortion's okay up to the eighth month, yeah, see, now I'll start getting mad. I got to stop. Okay. So as we look at this, I, I want to say the battle pushes us forward. When, you, when that temptation, let's take this to a personal level, when that temptation comes on you, you say, what should my response be, Pastor? You know what your response should be. Not today, Satan. <laughs> nope, ain't doing it. You say, well, Pastor, that's easy to say. Yeah, it's easy to say, and it is harder to do, but welcome to adulthood. I don't always want to get up and go to work, do you? But I know I got to. I know if I'm, gonna, if, if I'm paying bills, if I'm doing, I got to get up and go to work. It's the same way. You've got to overcome the temptation. You've got to stand up and be the man or the woman that God's called you to be. And I guess if I were to say anything about all of this, when, when I look at the church, it's like when we look across the whole. And I'm not talking about just simply our church. I'm talking about the church as a whole. When you look across the church, what is the biggest problem? We have a bunch of biblically illiterate immature believers sitting in the pews and the chairs of churches all across America who want somebody to tell them a message that makes them feel good and makes them think everything's okay. But here's what I want you to understand. I want you to know it's okay. I want you to know you're blessed. I want you to know that path. But I am not going to stand in front of Christ. I'm not going to stand in front of God and he says, why did you not tell the people that I put you in front of that I called you to shepherd and you did not tell them what I told you to tell them and what's in my word. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing that. And neither should you. We've got to be bold because at the end of the day, it's not whether you like me or not. It's whether he approves or not. And that's what I love about this body. We, we laugh together. We cry together, we mess up, we do this, we pick each other up, we dust each other off, and, and that's what I love about this church. We get to be real. But we also have to realize that God has an expectation 
of every one of us. And you say, where's the hope in what you're talking about? Oh, let me show you. First John chapter 4. First John chapter 4, verses 4 and 6, 4 through 6. You are of God. This will explain something to you as well. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Y'all remember that scripture, right? <clears throat> that should get you excited. Let me say it again because maybe it's the 8.30 issue here. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. That's the truth. Now listen, verse 5. They are of the world, therefore they speak as the world. And the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. But by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The reason I want you to understand, you say, I don't understand why people don't hear. Because they're not of God yet. That's our job is to show them Jesus. So that they can be hearing the truth. And we have to depend on God to break down those barriers, but we have our part to play. And sometimes that part is saying we've got a building to build because we need to be able to do more ministry to these kids who are hurting, who need guidance, who need help. These parents who are struggling because they don't want their kids in certain situations and they need help. No matter what it looks like, you need to remember this because this will get you through some stuff. No matter what it looks like, God is greater. No matter what it sounds like, God is greater. No matter what your diagnosis is, God is greater. Let me give you one. This, this is a great one. No matter what the polls say, you know, the ones where they'll call a certain segment of people, they'll call like 100 people and say, this is what the nation believes. You're like going, they didn't call me. I don't know who they call. Well, I got an idea. But anyway, no matter what the polls say, no matter what the enemies say, and I'm going to wrap it up with this thought. <coughs> Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Just so you all know, you are in the first service. It sounds like you're getting the good voice. The second, vo the second service, is they're going to get the, the raspy voice. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful. And sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. And of joints and marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. What does our focus need to be? If we're going to possess the land. If we're going to possess the promise. His word. Because his word will never fail. His word will never change. And can I tell you this? Before Satan can defeat us, he has to disarm us. Before he can do that, and he, you can't take the word away from me. You know why? Because I have it stored up in my heart. I don't need my cell phone. It's handy. <clears throat> but it's in my heart. You can't take me. You're not going to disarm me. Before Satan gets our kids... He has to get past God's word, and that's something he simply can't do. But it all weighs down on if we are being the people that we need to be. My friends, 
this is a critical moment in the time of the American church. Can I tell you this as I close? I'm seeing churches <clears throat> all across America <clears throat> who are facing challenges and struggles that I believe with all my heart are it's spiritual warfare and it's distractions to take them off of the mission that God called them to. <laughs> we can't do that. We've got to stand firm. We've got to stay true to what God's word says. We've got to stand and be counted among those because here's the truth is when Jesus comes back, I want him to come back and see that we were about the Father's business. We're not going to put our head in the sand and just wish everything to go away. We're going to be the people God has called us to be. <clears throat> you see, we live in a world that's desperate for vision. Desperate. We live in a time that people need hope more than ever before. And instead of burying our heads in the sand, let's be a light. And let's be what God's called us to be on this hillside. A light to this community and a light to the world. We pray every Sunday. We pray that when people come around that bend, that when they first see these buildings on this hill, that they will see the glory of God emanating from this place. That's our hope and that's our desire. But we have to stay on target. Is that right? We got to stay true. What does that mean to you? What is it in your life that you're pulling back instead of going forward? And every one of us has areas that we struggle in. But let's be men and women of God. Let's face them. Would you bow your head and close your eyes all across the room? <clears throat> Father, today we thank you. And Lord, we pray that today that God, your word, <clears throat> that your word would pierce our hearts. Hmm. Father, the areas where we're failing, we'll give them to you. We'll Repent and be better. Help us, oh God, to be the people you've called us to be. Now, with every head bowed <clears throat> and every eye still closed, you're here today, <clears throat> excuse me, you're here today and you say, Pastor, the truth is that right now in my heart, I know there are things that separate me from God. I know there's some areas of my life that I've not fully submitted to him. In other words, I'm giving up ground, and I need to change that. You say, today, Pastor, I need to start a new chapter. If that's you right now, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you today. You say, Pastor, I need to start that new chapter. I need to get some things right. If that's you, just slip your hand up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes. You can place your hands back down. 
And here's what I'm going to ask. All over across this room, can we just stand to our feet as we get ready to pray? <clears throat> I think the tree pollen just got me. <clears throat> and we're going to ask God as we pray together as a family. I want you to realize that this prayer <clears throat> comes to the place. <clears throat> Man, this prayer is a prayer of repentance. And you may sit there and say, oh, wait, wait, this is what new believers pray. No, this is what we pray as a family, and we confront our own sin and we repent because you know what the sin is. This is what we do as a family together. And here's what I would tell you. If you are one of those who are saying, I'm making a decision for Jesus today, you need to tell somebody. Walk it out with somebody. We're here for you. If you're one of those people today that said, no, I'm a believer. I just, I need that new chapter. I need to tell somebody because that is what we're called to do. We walk together and there's power and accountability. So we're going to pray this prayer today together as a family. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? And let's just pray this simple prayer. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and make me new. I receive you, Jesus, as my Savior right now. I'm repenting of my sin and I'm turning from my past. Help me start a new chapter, Father. One that's written by your pen. And may the words of my mouth and the actions of my life reflect who you are from this day forward. Father, I need you. And I receive you, Jesus, with all my heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. Can you give the Lord some praise? <clears throat> wow. He's good. Here's what I do. I know it's time for me to...